Institute, it's Commercial Currents, the podcast, a show about small business on Maine's islands and coasts, where we share the power of community and creativity through the voices of small business owners and those who partner with us. I'm your host, Claire Donnelly. And today we are wrapping up the Business in Uncertain Times series. I started this kind of on a whim back in March, and it's proved to be a great way to foster community in an isolating time for small business owners. So today I'm joined by Craig Olson, the strategic lead for the small business work at the Island Institute, and we're going to reflect on what we've learned, some of our favorite moments, some of the hard moments, and what we're looking ahead to. I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right. Uh, what's a moment in the in this last year? And I'm going to say the last year um, that really surprised you. Something that just kind of you were not expecting uh, in the business world. I did a couple of interviews really quickly early in March, and then I did follow ups with those same four business owners in September and October. And Allison Tebow of Windhorse Arts on Vinyl Haven was had you know her first interview. Everything was just really really damn hard for her, like navigating the banks, getting, cause she is one of those like sole proprietors, super small business owners and was just on it, you know, like digging deep. And so when I went to check in with her in October, I was like, Oh God, like, is this going to be a really depressing conversation? And she was so positive. She had shut down her shop. She had started a whole nother business. She had taken a gig doing landscaping work that she was stoked on just having something concrete to do. Like her positivity, I was, it was like a very welcome surprise. What about you? What's really surprised me, other than how quickly businesses have shifted or have gotten rid of things that they were doing, was um, I really kind of expected it to be a constant gloom and doom, and it hasn't been. A lot of the businesses that we've talked to, they have been they've been upbeat. They were, I mean, people, I mean, the world was, the, you know, the sky was falling this summer, and then people, when we talked to them in August, are like, you know, it wasn't, it was not comparable to the year before. I'm down, but it's better than I expected. And things have, have picked up and, you know, and, and, and it's just really interesting. I think it just sometimes that shock to the system just brings a whole new perspective for anyone. And I think specifically with business owners, and I know you've experienced this, I've experienced of it, it, you get into a rut, like everything else, you've always done it this way. You're doing it this way. Oh, why would I try that? It's going to cost more money. What if I fail? And I think that that the situation we've been in for the last nine months has really kind of popped people out of those ruts. And I, what I hope that one of the things that could come out of this is that people realize that they can take chances, measured chances, and that there are opportunities out there. Even if you just feel like you're up against a wall, there's, there's always something you can do to shift a little bit. What's going to be very interesting to me is what a lot of these businesses look like next summer. Yeah. And that actually kind of leads me to our next question, which is just like, what has been the hardest moment during this pandemic? And then sort of like, what are your concerns moving forward? For, for me, I think there are, there are a few hard moments for me. I think when everything first started and we didn't know what the response was, we didn't know that if what the response was going to be at the federal level and the state level, um, the federal level, they did some great stuff. State level has done some wonderful things. Um, it was that uncertainty. Are we all, it's just, is, is, are these towns going to be like ghost towns and everybody's going to be out on the street? So, um, that, that was a tough time because we weren't quite sure. And we, and, and, 
in at the Allen Institute with our small business team, we were struggling too because we don't, um, you know, we're connectors. We connect these small business people to resources. We have some grant funds that we provide. We have loan funds, but again, we weren't really encouraging people to take out loans when you don't know what's going to happen. You don't want to pile on more debt. Um, so that was that was the one of those low points. I think one of the other things that I really struggled with was. Well, I know that I really struggle with is the fact that we can't, through our business resilience grants, give grants to everybody. And there are businesses out there that are hurting. There are businesses that have applied to us and we have had to say no. That's the hard part, the having to say no, because you know, having been a small business owner or as a small business owner, you know that heartbreak of this is your sole livelihood and you can't um, can't pay bills on hopes that sales are going to come in. But yeah, that was the heartbreaking thing was not being able to help every person or every business person that came to us. How about you? Yeah, I had the same sort of just like those feelings of helplessness when you would, I'd be having some conversations with a small business owner or sort of the super micro small entrepreneur. And it's just like, they weren't qualifying for the federal programs. They, you know, couldn't take on any more debt. There was, you know, like those feelings of like helplessness, I think were really hard. And then the other thing that was kind of gets at what you were talking about is like, it just feels like we almost haven't hit the worst part yet. And I feel like the timing of the PPP was a little bit off for like most of the seasonality of Maine's economy and most of our business owners. Like, I think, you know, I'm really hopeful for like a good holiday season, but then I just really worry like how, how many businesses are going to make it to open again next summer? Yeah. You know, we talk, you know, I talk about this a lot. It's that, um, you get that little bump at Christmas in the retail trade and in other, other things. And then you just batten down the hatches and hope for the best for January through March. And that, that, and I, I too, that, that, that's probably now what really has me worried. We just don't, we just don't know. And it's that uncertainty and we pumped a lot of, there's a lot of money that's been pumped in the economy, which is great. I think more could be pumped in the economy. I, I don't want to be gloom and doom, but I kind of, I'm just kind of holding my breath, you know, hoping um, that people have made enough changes in that in the last six to nine months to be able to get them through the next to get them through the next three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it doesn't feel like you know there's really like a right solution. You know, and and I don't know if you've thought much about this, but if looking back on the past past nine months, I mean, if we were going to do something over, what would it be? And I was thinking about that. I mean, is there something I would have done differently? I think on for our small business work with the Island Institute and the, you know, we, we pivoted our grants here. I use that word again. We shifted our grants, um, in March to go from just professional development funds to, to fund people going out to get some additional training and something that, that they needed to learn about, um, to actually giving people funds to pay people to do things like for them instead of going out and learning how to, how to run a website or set up your website with, um, online payments. We actually said, during this time of great uncertainty, we're going to give you the money to have someone do it for you. Plus it puts money in that consultant's pocket. Um, we ran through that money pretty quickly. I mean, that was pretty, you know, we were at $1,500 a grant and we began to kind of pull the brakes back. We didn't stop advertising it, but what I really wish that we had done is gone out and looked for funding a little bit quicker than we did. We did get funding by, I think by, by June, we had gotten a large grant uh, to fund this work. And since, March of last year, we've we've distributed over hundred thousand dollars in fifteen hundred dollar grants um, to people up and down the coast to help 
with them shifting their business. So I guess if I was, there was anything that I was really thinking, wish I had done differently. I think that wish we had gone out earlier rather than, and it wasn't a big, it was probably a couple of weeks where we didn't really have our, our foot on the gas for the grants. And then that other funding came in. So, yeah. And I feel like, I mean, part of it was just like the Island Institute, the organization trying to figure out what the heck was going on. You know, like we were trying to figure it out. We were trying to figure out how to support communities. I just feel like it was like, chaos for a little while. How's the pandemic changed how you think about the work we do? Yeah, I feel like my short answer is that it really matters now. (laughs) Like I think sort of pre-pandemic, we were in like an economic boom, right? And so the things that we could focus on with small business owners were kind of like luxury items in a weird way. It was like not that efficient, like what is the most efficient sort of tightest business systems that you can run right now? Actually, I wanted to bring in some of that data this morning. Lisa Moselvitz, who runs Archipelago, sent us this data from the UMaine Cooperative Extension. One of the points was that small business in Maine contributes more than 12.9 billion to the Maine economy and that two out of three jobs are created by small businesses. And it just makes me feel like when we're thinking about recovery in this state, like small business is the backbone and we're facing this unemployment crisis and it's going to be solved through small business. So like what can we do to help that happen? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I think about it, the thing that really struck me in, in, in how I think we need to be doing things differently. And actually we have to some point with our business resilience grants is that I really think at, as a small business practice, it's important that we be much more cognizant of the role of impact capital. Now that sounds like a big fancy um, investment banker term, and I'm, I'm not using it in that sense, but the fact that we could give a grant to someone to um, get the training or get the laptop or get the subscription to the service that they need to be able to help other people design websites, and then that person has gone on and designed six or seven websites. I mean, for a $1,500 grant, they're having this sudden impact. So for me, it's kind of that whole sense of you... What we do is that we connect people with information, we connect people with resources, both intellectual resources and you know whatever they need to help manage their business, but also with some resources on the finance side with the grants. It's a kind of you give them that money and then you just get out of the way because you know if you've given them a runway, they're going to figure it out. I, so I, I, you know, we're not here as a as small business mentors or small business advisors. We're really kind of here. As I, I think of us like we're just the middleman getting people to the people that they need who do this every day and do it extremely well. So it's good for us to be able to translate and be able to understand things and to get the information out. But I think it was important too, to be able to have that, that, that little bit of money that can help one person. Now, $1,500 for one person is going to go a long way. Another person obviously might need, need a lot more, but I think it was also gave people the, the opportunity to kind of take a deep breath and go, oh, okay, I can do this. It's not just I need to get my my business online or I need to be able to take online payments or I need to kind of think of this new product line. I actually, if I can figure it out, I can do it because I've got $1,500 that can help me with that process. And rather than saying, well, I can do this and it's $1,500. How the heck am I going to come up with $1,500? Um, so I think that that was, that was one of the really interesting things that um, that came out of it for me. Yeah. And I feel like what you're getting at is like almost us as the small business support team 
figuring out what we're good at and leaning into that and knowing that like the state of Maine has so many amazing resources and small business advisors, small business mentors, and like, you know, for us being connectors and then being able to leverage the Glenn fund are two really valuable pieces of that work. Like there's no time to monkey around when there's like an economic crisis. Like, what are you good at? What is our unique, you know, Absolutely. I mean, it kind of, yeah. What, what's our unique ability? What is the thing that we, it's in our DNA, you know, that we just do well, we connect with communities. Uh, we know the people in the community and we understand on the other side, um, where those resources are for businesses. I think that's one of the things that really made me think more about the work we do and, and like these businesses that had to pair off and get rid of things that were not helping them or not, or were dragging them down with expenses. I think we've done the same thing with how we, uh, how we run our practice. Yeah. All right. So this was always the last question that I would ask small business owners and it's maybe not a hundred percent applicable to us, but the question is just sort of in five years time, looking back on this time in what ways do you feel like you'll have built resilience in to what you're doing you know, both like in our work at the Island Institute and then also sort of in your personal life. Yes, there are a couple of things that, that come to mind right off the bat on the on the on the organization side, on our small business team side. I think there with this, there is a need. And I hope that in five years we have very, very clear and deep ties with a lot of the finance and funding agencies at the state and local level. We've been developing those. I think there are a lot of programs out, out there that we are becoming more and more aware of that I would like to see kind of ingrained in, in the pathways that we, can, that we can present to people saying, you know, you have this type of a business. This is, you know, here's some options and here are the people you need to talk to. We've done some of that, but I'd like to see it a little bit more systematized um, in what we do. Um, and I think on the, on the other side of it, it, and so I think by keying in and being more connected with those agencies, we'll have a little bit more of a clue when things are coming down because you and I were both caught kind of flat footed on a couple of these grant, um, these grants being offered that we had not heard of through the governor's office. And we were scrambling suddenly to get, get some information out to, to our lists. And we find it kind of fell behind, felt like we were behind the eight ball. I, th I think on the personal level, I think that not to get deep into personal stuff, but I think that the thing that has come out of this all for me is that it is that stripping away of the non-essential. And if we can remember that, that's my biggest hope, but also my biggest fear that we go back to the way we were, the way we weren't. And I think that there's there's just that um, – that pulling back to the essence of of what you are, not only as a small business person, but as a professional and then the work you, you do is what do you do really well and focus on that. It's the, you know, and don't get caught up in the extraneous. Yeah. I feel like I was having similar thoughts when I was thinking about this on the personal level of just like almost the same thing that a lot of the business owners are doing is sort of just like stripping away the things that are not worth your while. In terms of our work, I think one thing I was thinking about, so not to get like too inside baseball or whatever, but we're building out the like five to 10 year strategic plan for the small business team now. And I think some of the conversations that we've been having around like building these systems and networks of small business owners and then leveraging them and keeping them engaged, not in a time of crisis, but preparing them for crisis kind of. And I think like the power of our small business network wasn't, I don't think, fully leveraged until this. And I think being able to keep that community close and keep growing that community, I think is going to be really important. And then also finding those players in 
communities that do a good job of crisis response and being able to connect with them as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, we've all been pushed into this Zoom world, whether we like it or not, but it has provided an opportunity for peers to interact across communities, especially when you're talking about islands. I'm hoping that what has come out of this and this kind of this digital platform that we are all living on now is that we'll be able to do that in a way that's helpful to business owners and not just one more thing they feel like they have to do because because I asked them to do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm going to end our episode with the a round of overrated, underrated. Um, so I have a list of three things and you have to tell me if they're overrated, underrated, or perfectly rated. And the first item on my list is Zoom. Underrated. Underrated. Even though you spend your whole day on Zoom. <laughs> true, true. But what amazes me is how quickly we all adapt to it, that it's a very adaptable platform. <laughs> yeah, we're all, I feel like, adapting. And it's, it is probably like one thing I think about, too, with like the broadband initiative and getting more people connected. Like, I think the possibilities with it are just going to keep growing. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. The next item is being a small business owner. Underrated. Mm, OK. I, you know. I've been a small business owner. I am a small business owner. I think that people don't, I think people use the term small business owner and it's just a blanket term and they don't really understand or get this, the, the enormity of being a small business owner. And, and it's, and I'm sorry, but it's not something you can explain. It's something you have to, to be and do. So to me, being a small business owner, I, I guess being one is not underrated. How we think about small business owners, to me, is what's underrated. Mm, interesting. I feel like you're saying like the value of a small business owner is underrated, but I'm going to argue that actually being a small business owner is overrated because it's really damn hard. Correct. Even though I long to be a small business owner again someday, it's like you're just working your ass off. You don't have health insurance. Like I feel like there's like this romantic vision of, you know, owning your own business, having your own thing, but it's like just so much work. Yeah. I'm my, my, I'm my own boss. I set my own schedule. Yeah. My schedule is seven days a week, you know, cause I got to get the work done and uh, yeah. And, and yeah. And I think that, and I agree with you. So I guess we're on both sides of it in different, different with different lenses. Yeah. Okay. Next one is living on an Island. Underrated. Okay. Because I will tell you the thing about Island living and, and to me, living and it means that somebody who's lived on an island for more than two years, there's a two, there's always seems to be a two year shakeout. People come, la la la, it's wonderful, it's Shangri La, everybody loves everybody, you know, we all, it takes a village, which is true. And then after about two years, they hit their second march and they've had it and they're done and that's it. And the people that get through that understand the deep social ties in a community. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in a small community in the Midwest with lots of relatives around. And it really reminds me, Islesboro Islands remind me of that. So I think that people have an idealized vision of living on islands, which is overrated. Life on an island is absolutely underrated because there is a richness and there is a beauty and there is, there is just this, this thread of DNA that you can't explain. Yeah. 
I think that's a good reminder. I think my initial gut with this one was to say overrated just because like specifically where we work and like I think on the like there's something very romanticized about living on an island and like oh absolutely there are days where ultimately I'm like yo it's just like living anywhere else in rural Maine but a pain in the ass especially on North Haven because there's an hour ferry ride. The other day I got so seasick I couldn't do anything when I got home. You know, it's just like oh, oh, you know, and that's interesting. And, and I, you know, I've lived on Alsbro. I've been on a lot of a number of the other islands. But what and what I have learned in this job in the past two years, what never really struck me before was that every island is different, which I expected, and every island is the same. When we talk to people, we hear the same kind of same kind of things that are happening on Islesboro or happening in North Haven or Frenchboro, it's just different players. And every island has a very different personality. And I think that the unique thing that we bring, not not you and me specifically, but the Island Institute and working with small businesses, is that we know that a solution on Islesboro isn't probably going to work on Frenchboro. And you have to go into that community and say, what do you need? Rather than saying, hey, this happened. This worked on North Haven. Plop. Here's a plan for you. No, sorry. Yeah, you're like setting yourself up to fail. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. And then actually my real last, last question is just so this episode is sort of wrapping up the Business and Uncertain Times series. We're taking a little break. Stay tuned for what's going to come next. But I just want to say like what our favorite episodes were so people can go back and listen if they haven't listened. So 19 episodes to choose from, Craig. I know. You know, so I actually – it's interesting and you, you – um when you we talked a little bit before we started recording and I had to think about it and I honestly have to go back to the 44 North interviews, both of them. Mm-hmm. The first one, because they were just so enthusiastic and I didn't know anything about them. Um, this is coffee business up on Stonington Deer Isle. And um, I didn't really know anything about them. It was a really engaging interview. They were engaging guests. Um, and what I really liked is that you did a follow-up with them not that long ago, which I I listened to shortly after it went out online and they bought a building during a pandemic. That's so cool. And I, that, I mean, and I literally was listening to it as I was doing something else. And I mean, I stopped. It was one of those things that's kind of like, oh, there's a stake in the Oh my gosh, they bought a building? And I, because it was in the back of my head. So that was, that was really, really good. And, and I, I just, they were all, I've, I've enjoyed them all, but those, those two episodes of 44 North um, jumped out at me and, um, and again, I think that it the great thing about that format and that podcast media is that it's just it's a whole nother way. I, I feel like I'm, you know, I hate to be, you know, it's not crazy, but I feel like I'm in the room with them. And and it's just you can hear the nuance, you can hear the, the thought process, and it's not just good editing. When you can hear that and you get it and you can do it when you're doing other other things. But, yeah, that was the one episode, the second one that really kind of stopped me in my tracks. How about you? What was your favorite? It's like choosing a favorite child. My favorite or the one that I had the most fun with is it's not really fair to say, but it's the Island Apothecary one because I got to do it in person in my living room. And it's my bandmate and one of my really good friends out here. And so it was just like a fun episode to record. But I like a lot of them. Go back and listen to all of them, people. And I think what I really like, too, about the podcast is that that we also or you also were able to really kind of 
bring to the front that sense of frustration that people have been having and, and the different things affecting different businesses. Yeah. And I feel like the reason that I started was just to like build that community and build the connection. Like, I think there's something like everyone was having these conversations sort of in their own silos when the pandemic first happened. And I just felt like the podcast was like a nice, like intimate way to help business owners maybe like not feel so alone or like know that like other people were going through it too. So it's been a fun thing to do. No, it's been a great, it's been a great uh, series. I, I have enjoyed every, every minute of it. And um, I'm looking forward to some new things coming in, in January. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Craig. You're welcome. Have a good rest of your day. You too. We can pretend to say goodbye, but um, really we have a meeting together and could just stay on the Zoom call. this episode please reach out at podcast at islandinstitute.org let me know what you liked what you didn't like maybe what you'd like to hear next coming from the island institute podcast don't forget to subscribe to our commercial currents newsletter at islandinstitute.org slash small business that's our small business support newsletter you'll get our resources blog posts and info about upcoming events and workshops delivered right to your inbox like upcoming info about our business for purpose and profit workshops happening in January. This podcast is on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Please subscribe or follow and keep following us. We've got some exciting stuff happening on this feed in the next year. Our theme song is by Courtney Nallenboff and Bill Travaskis. And this episode was produced and edited by me. 